0: So let me this morning tell you who you are. We're starting a brand new series. It's called Together. And there are several names that make up who you are. And number one is this. You are the church. In other words, many people making up the whole. That's W-H-O-L-E. Okay. Also, you are called the people of God in the New Testament. Many people making up the whole. You're also called the body of Christ. Again, many people making up the whole. A part of our wholeness and identity is in our togetherness, our coming together, our being one together. Look at this, and this is Matthew chapter sixteen, verse fifteen, and Jesus said to them, "But who do you say that I am? It's important to know your identity. It's especially important to know who he is, his identity. And I found out that our identity is actually in found in Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. So he's saying, who am I so that you can know who you are? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because that was his name, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't get this out of some higher education or learning. You didn't find this on Google. Come on, someone say amen. You did not get this in some book at the library. Some theologian didn't teach this. This was downloaded straight from heaven. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the revelation came from my Father who is in heaven. By the way, God still wants to give revelation to his people. It's not enough just to read the word of God. you got to understand what the word of God is saying to you. Somebody say amen to that. I'm just getting wound up. We're going to preach here in a second. And I'm here to tell you that God gave him, Simon Barjona, this download, this revelation that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. Because other people were saying, well, maybe he's John the Baptist incarnate. Maybe he's Elijah to come. But they didn't have a revelation of who he was. And this is what Jesus said. And I say to you that you are Peter. Hold on. Stop the presses. I thought his name was Simon Barjona. But Jesus said, you are Peter. In other words, watch this. Peter means a rock. It's the word Petra in the Greek, which means a rock. His name Simon means a reed. I don't know about you, but it's pretty easy to figure out that a reed is different than a rock. See, a rock is something that's a sure foundation, can't be moved. It's an immovable force of which Jesus said you to build your life upon the Petra or the rock. He said, I'm going to build my church upon the rock. Oh, hallelujah. And because you got the revelation of who I am, you're going to get the revelation of who you are. Everybody calls you Simon, but that's not who you are. You are Petra. You are a rock. Simon means a reed, and a reed is easily snapped and broke under pressure. But a rock, when it hits pressure, just stands the test of time, and is immovable and unshakable. I'm going to build my church on that Petra, not on Peter, not on Peter, but on the revelation of what Peter received. And I will build my church, watch this, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not. Everybody say hell. You get the curse in church. Hallelujah. The gates, some of y'all have been waiting for that moment all your life. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has strategically placed us at the gates of Hell. Not to lose, but to prevail. That's why you've been going through the hell you've been going through. That's why you've encountered the opposition you've been up against. That's why you've been battling the financial pressures that you've had for years. But let me give you some good gospel news today. If God before you, who can be against you? And if the wicked plot and the wicked steam against you, but the Lord, the Bible says, shall cause you to triumph. Hey, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. No weapon. I said no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you shall be condemned. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Everybody say, I'm winning. God placed you. God placed you at the gates of your enemies so that you would conquer and gain victory And authority, where? In the very place of your attack. Can I say that one more time? God purposely placed you at the gates of your enemies. You thought the Lord was going to just give you an easy life? He enlisted you for battle. Purposely put you at the gates of your enemy so that you would conquer and gain authority in the very place of your attack. That's why Psalms 138 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Meaning that if I've been having concern about my finances, God is about to perfect me in that area of finances. If I've been having some concerns about my health issues, God wants to perfect me in those health issues. If I've got some concerns about my marriages, you need to come. You need to come on Thursday night, this Thursday night. But, but, but if I've got problems in that and it's concerning me, God is going to perfect me, which means He's going to prove me, He's going to make me stronger in that area, and now I'm going to have a testimony. Hey, the place of your pain shall become the place where you reign. That's what God wants you to know this morning. It's no accident you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with. God's going to make you victor, so you got a strategy. And you can help others get out of it. Psalms 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Until when? Until I make your enemies your, your, one more time, your. Let me read it again. The Lord said to my Lord, said at my right hand. Until I make your enemies your. When I was growing up, my, my little Italian grandmother stood just, just under five foot, probably about four, ten, four, eleven. Very small. And, um, but she was a great cook. I mean a great cook. And so uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I like to be around food. Praise God. So, and I was skinny, but I liked to be around school. And I'd go in there, and I'd ask her questions of what she did. I like to cook. I still like to cook to this day. And so, and she said, well, I'd do a little of this, and I'd do a little that. And, you know, she never had really a recipe. She just kind of did everything with love. How many knows is the difference just cooking by a recipe book, and then someone who cooks with some love. And so, and she'd make her sugu, which is her uh, pasta sauce. And, and you know, and, we, we, and she showed me how to do all. But she always had this, um, she had this, uh, This uh, step stool in her kitchen. And that thing, I saw one the other day. I thought, oh, my God, somebody else had one too. And it was years ago, and and it was metal, all metal. You know, when they made stuff back in those days, they made them in the last. And it would would pull out. So it was this tall, but then the bottom part would pull out. So you have one step to step on. Y'all remember that? It would squeak, you know. And it was old, and it was a red top. It had a red top on the bottom as well. And it, I just remembered, like it was yesterday. And she would get on that thing. She'd pull, she'd say, Jet, bring that thing over. And she'd get up on that thing to get in her pantry. Now, I, I, I saw her do that for years, you know, and it was her footstool. Am I right? Okay. So what was she doing? She was reaching, she was reaching what was just outside of her reach. Y'all didn't catch that. And your Bible says that God will cause you to sit at his right hand until he makes your enemies your footstool. In other words, the enemy that comes against you at some point is going to become your footstool so you can stand on top of it and get to where you're going so you can reach what you couldn't reach before. Every attack of the enemy is actually a setup by God to get you in a place you've never been before strategically. Give the Lord a shout of praise. I don't like battles. I don't like warfare. But I've learned something in my life. Must be God's trying to get me somewhere I can't get without an enemy. Genesis twenty two seventeen 17 says, blessing, I will bless you, Abraham. And by the way, you are seeds of Abraham. The covenant of Abraham you have. The Bible says all that God promised Abraham, he has given to his saints. He said, bless and I'll bless you. Multiply and I'll multiply you and your descendants as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess, your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. So strategically, God has placed you at the gates of the enemy in your life, over your family, over what's going on in your world, right? And the blessing of Abraham was what? To possess the gates of our enemies. Church, whoever possesses the gates controls what comes in and what goes out. God wants to put you in control of what comes into your life and what goes out of your life. God wants to put us in control of what comes into the kingdom and what goes out of Of the kingdom. What comes in this church, what goes out of this church. Church, we've lost control of our children. We've lost control of our finances. We've lost control of our schools. We've lost control in our health. We've got to get it back. We've got to get it back and get back on the front lines where God has strategically positioned us to win. All the gates of our enemies, we're supposed to win, to win where we have been attacked. There is a reward right in the place of your attack. That's why you don't go and put the covers over your head and pretend like you're not going through it. Because you're still going to go through with the covers over your head. He's anointed you. He's blessed you. He's prepared you for this day of warfare. Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel at the time, and there was great peace in the land. and They would won all the victories over their enemies, and God gave them tremendous victory, by the way. And so they had peace for a long period of time. The problem with peace over a long period of time, people forget how to really get down with God. They forget how to really pray. They forget really how to rely upon the Almighty. They begin to rely upon themselves. And such was the case with Israel during that time. And they were enjoying the peace. So was King Jehoshaphat. Until one day, he got up in the morning and somebody gave him the bad news. He said, King, we got to let you know we, we are surrounded, we are besieged by our enemies on all sides. They have, uh, our enemies now have all come together. They've allied against us, and we are being held captive right in our own city. What should we do? And the Bible said the first thing that happened to him was fear struck him because he was unprepared to fight that war. He was unprepared for the day of battle. And so the Bible says he didn't know what to do, but what he did know what to do, one thing he knew what to do, I'm going to get before God. The Bible says he called for a fast and put sackcloth and ashes on him and went into the t- temple of God and began to seek God and begin to pray and had the people begin to pray. And as they began to pray, God began to download information to him. Now, at first was complaining because he was saying, Lord, we had opportunity to kill these people a long time ago. We had them in our clutches, but you said, nay, don't do it. Not time. And now here they are taking us by surprise. Lord, this ain't fair. This ain't right. But then all of a sudden God said, I'm going to tell you something. I did not bring the enemy here, he said, for them to take you over. I did not allow that to happen. What I'm trying to get you to understand is I brought them here for you to have a great victory. Because there can be no victory without battle. Am I right about that, church? He said, now what you're going to do, he said, here's what you're going to download. We're going to position yourself. How are we going to position ourselves? He said, get all your praises together. Send them out into the battlefield and begin to praise me and worship me. And as you praise and worship me, the Lord says, I will set an ambush against your enemies. So they sent out the praise team. They said, Mari and Pito, get on out there. Get that team out there. Uh, get them out there singing and praising God. Can you, imagine telling the, you, can you imagine telling the praise team to go do battle? You know, it's one thing to hear something a word from God in your prayer closet. You go, oh, I know I heard God. It's another thing to tell them. They got to believe what you said. Now they got to face their enemies with their instruments. Hallelujah. Am I right? But they're going to go out there and as they praise God, God said, I'm going to do a miracle. When you give God acknowledgement, he begins to direct your path. When you say, God, I need you, that's when God will fight for you. And as they praised and worshipped the Almighty, the Bible says the Lord set an ambush against them and caused confusion amongst the camps, and they began to fight one another until they killed each other. Not one sword was lifted in Israel. Not one bow and arrow was lifted. Not one rock was slung out of Israel. But the God of heaven said, today the Lord will do battle for you. You shall not fight this war. The battle is the Lord's. And as they fought the battle, God fought the battle for them, the Bible says they all died. And the Bible says when they went to go see what was going on, they had brought all their jewels and all their money and all their silver and all their gold. And the Bible says it took them three days to pick up all the spoils of war and bring it back into Israel. So with one fatal sweep. Don't think you're going down. You're not going down. Don't think you're going to be overwhelmed. You're not going to be overwhelmed. God is about to fight for you, and you're about to get some victory and some reward. Who's ready for some reward? Come on. Come on. It was a setup. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish everything that God has set forth. I'm going to be sharing the vision with you on March 1st, Vision Sunday. And God has put something deep in my spirit that, to be honest with you, a portion of this only God himself can do. We ain't got it. There ain't no way we can make this happen. It's got to be God. The other part of it is, maybe we could do it, but at the level I want to do it, or I feel God's telling us, we can't do it without his favor. Yes. And I want you to come March 1st to hear all that. I'm setting this up. But how are we going to accomplish? How are you going to accomplish that business God called you to do? How are you going to accomplish that, uh, having a great marriage? You can't. Let me just put it this way. Let me just say this. I can tell you this. You ain't going to accomplish any of that alone. We've got to come together. If I was the devil, the first thing I would do is I'd get you fighting, in fighting with every brother and sister you got in Christ. I'd get you so angry with one another and judging one another and being upset with one another and being offended by one another until you could never come together because the secret to the sauce or the secret to the power that's in us is the unity that we have with one another. They'll know you, God, by their unity. One could put a 1,000 to flight. So you do pretty good with one. But if you really want to have favor from God, if you really want to have success, if you really want to see God do something, if we really want God to touch this city, one ain't going to cut it. Because the Bible says one could put a 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. That means I look at it two different ways. That means your enemy has to get to stepping. Two can put 10,000 of our enemies to fight. Now, I don't have somebody who could probably do the math because you know how to do math. I'm not a math guy. But I can tell you this if you have three, that's a whole lot more than 10,000. Now, I don't know, they would that be 20,000. I don't know what that would be. But I know that it's exponential from there. So if we had hundreds of us in this room today that could all come together, those that are watching us online, could all come together with one voice and one accord, we could chase the devil right out of our city, right out of our state, and right out of America. The second way I look at that is uh, we can send 1,000 angels. One could send 1,000 angels to flight. 1,000 angels could come on the scene, take flight, come on the scene. Or two could put 10,000 to flight, bring them on the scene. I look at it both ways. Either way, we need God's help. But Jesus said, you're not going to do this alone. He said, I will build my church. He did not say I will build an individual, not a personality, not the super talented Not the super anointed person. He said that he was going to build his church, all of us coming together as one. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king of Israel in those days. And and, and, uh, he was the one that, he was not a job. It sounds like a good job. He gets to taste the wine. He gets to taste the wine or test the wine. What a great job to have. And he gets to live in the palace. That's not why he was really there. Yes, he he got to taste all the wine, but the point was the king went and watched him for about 30 minutes. After every sip he took, and if he lived, that was a wine that he'd like to drink. If he died, it means it was poison. It was meant for the king to die. That's what a cupbearer did in those days. He had a dangerous job. But he left that, and he went, the Bible says he heard about uh, the walls of Jerusalem being broken down. And he went at night to view the walls. And the Bible says he sat on a hill and he cried and he wept before God. And he wept before God and he cried before the Lord because he was so brokenhearted that he saw how Jerusalem had been overtaken by their enemies because the walls had been, they had been broken down. And now there's these, these, there's these gaps all over the wall. That's why the Bible teaches us that we're to become gap standers or people who stand in the gap. Do you know that's where that comes from? You didn't know that, did you? Some of y'all didn't know that. To stand in the gap meant a military soldier would actually put his body in harm's way in the gap of a wall. So that when the enemy came, he was saying, you got to go through me. You got to take me out before you can get in here. That's somebody who stands in the gap for somebody else. And and Nehemiah knew he had a task because he had these gaps all over and broken down pieces of the wall. And it was destroyed. He wept and said, God, this is not right. Goes back to the king and says to the king, I need you to give me leave. I got to take care of some business. Now, Nehemiah was not a builder. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, And the king said, you can go. He said, I need some papers. I need your authority. What do you mean? I can't do this alone. I'm not a builder. I need to get expert builders who can help me. I need men from the quarry to get the right, the right uh, rock and the right stone and the right mortar to help us. I need, a t- I need people to come together. It's going to take me some time to get them together. I need timber. I need wood from the cedars the, of Lebanon. He's saying, I need your authority, O king, to get the job done to, in order to rebuild and reestablish the walls to protect God's people. The church is a part of the mechanism of the protection mechanism of God's people. And so we, we see it broken down. It's our job to stand in the gap until it begins to what? Get the right pieces in place and the right community and people to come in to build the wall back up. Am I right about this church? So he said, give me your authority. The king puts a stamp of approval on it. He puts his ring, signet on there. And he says, whatever you need, it will be done. God says, as long as you do my will, he's the king. Whatever you need, it shall be done. I don't care what your need is. I don't care what you need. I own it all. Cattle on a thousand hills. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Says the Lord, I got it all taken care of. I'm just looking for somebody who will go and make it happen. But Nehemiah is smart enough to know he's got to recruit the people of God to get the job done because no way can he do it by himself. My wife and I were sent to the city 20 years ago. No way could we build and see hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ and see this church where it's at today. We could not have done that without the people of God rallying around the vision of God and all coming together for a common purpose and good in the kingdom of God. Many times standing in the gap putting our life on the line until God could send the right people in to build that portion of the wall back up. Amen. And so the Bible says he began to gather. I'm a long-winded preacher this morning. Hallelujah. He began to gather the people of God together, and he begins to express the vision. I wept. I cried. Don't you cry sometimes when you see? And he begins to share the vision. We've got to build this back up. God wants our nation to be protected. He doesn't want us to be ruled by our enemies. It's time for us to come together. We've got to come together. We're so fragmented. The enemy has done this. Don't you see? The enemy has pushed us apart. He said, come together. And they began to listen to him. And they heard the word of God through Nehemiah. And when they heard it, the Bible says, their hearts were burning on fire. And the Bible says, they began to have a heart and mind to work until nothing was impossible. And the Bible says, <laughs> Nehemiah said, we got to work. But we're also going to have to do some warfare too. So while you got a trowel in one hand, troweling down that mortar to lay that brick. Pick up your sword in the other hand because the enemy is going to try to come and rob what God's trying to establish and what God's trying to build. I don't know where we got this mentality of Sunday morning church and hip, hip, parade, and, you know, sing a couple of good old fashioned songs. And then we feel good today and the Lord's wonderful and just go back home. I don't even see that in the scriptures anywhere. The church was always established to do war against the enemy so that people can be born again through the process of the kingdom that we are establishing. Yes. By the way, I want to say this. Jesus is still building his church today. He's a builder. He's still building his church today just as he was doing 2,000 years ago. His concept is and has always been a team effort. All for one And one for all. All of God's people, that's what we're saying. All of us coming together as one body on earth, establishing his kingdom locally, regionally, and around the world. The church is the ultimate team. And I you've heard this before, but team as an acronym, I can't get that out of my heart. Team as an acronym. Together, everyone achieves more. I'm gonna say it again. Together. Everyone achieves more. If we don't come together, we can't achieve the dreams, the heights, the desires, the things that we all want in our lives. We need each other. And even at an individual level, think about it. You can't have a successful business without networking with other successful people. No matter what you do, it's going to require. You cannot do it alone. Jesus himself, the son of the living God, the Savior of the world never worked alone. Oh, there was times he was alone. But his number one thought is, I've got to establish at least 12 people. And then the Bible says he had another 70 people beside that. And then the Bible says he had another 500 people. His ministry was huge. How do you think he could minister to hundreds of thousands of people in just three and a half years? How could he do that? He had to have a big established base. He couldn't do it alone. And then he trained them. He said, you're not going to do it alone either. He didn't say one by one you shall go out. He said two by two you shall go out. Everybody say we need each other. Everybody say it's time to get together. In in, in Romans chapter 16, Paul begins to commend the the, the church in Rome. He begins to thank them and ask them to to greet some very special people. You can read it for yourself. It's all throughout the whole chapter. One by one, he begins to name people. Just There's numbers of them of an entire chapter of people who have sacrificed for the kingdom. They have sacrificed for God. They have sacrificed for the church. These were the difference makers of the church in Rome. They were so important that they were listed by Paul in his letter, which was inspired by God as a part of your New Testament Bible today. Not because they were so talented. Not because they were so incredibly good looking. You just happen to have a pastor that has both those things going on for him, But other than that, that's not my real talent. Teasing, But because of their labor of love, because of their sacrificial giving, because they were willing to lay it all on the line, because they were the people who said, whatever you want us to do, let's do it. We're building together for the kingdom of God. They understood the importance of, and power of building together, that they had more influence that way. When it's all said and done, will your name be remembered? Or are you just somebody who's a bystander, come and go kind of person, blah, blah, blah. And maybe you've been there for a long time and you just didn't know. You just didn't understand. But after today, no way can you walk away and not feel conviction saying, I got to just do my own thing. I'm just going to do my own thing. That's of the enemy. What team has ever won anything by themselves? Well, uh, uh, you know, there's people that uh, uh bodybuilding's a, a single sport. Oh, is it? Really? Every bodybuilder I ever saw had a spotter. Had somebody who was encouraging them. Had a coach. Had somebody in their corner helping them out. Had PR people working with them. Had represent, a representation of other different products and things. You can't get where you're going without other people. Amen. Will your name be remembered? God made you to function within his purpose and knows your name. And he knows the intimate details of your life. Nahum seven says the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows who, those who trust in Him, First Corinthians eight three. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. John ten fourteen. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. But look at this, Jeremiah one. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God knows every intimate detail about us, us by name, everything before we even got to planet Earth. You were never meant to do life alone. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Our city needs us to come together for the good of our city, to build God a legacy in our city. And guess what? Your family needs you to come together also to build a family legacy. I'm almost done. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Because we're it's different does that mean it's not has a, has an important role to play within the body if the whole body were an eye where would be the hearing if the whole were hearing where would be the smelling we need both but now god has set the members has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased you thought you made up your mind to come today or you thought you became become a member of this church you didn't god orchestrated your steps Just go back and look at it. I'm telling you, he orchestrated your steps. He said, each one of them, he set them in in the body just as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor, again, head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our and presentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or separation or division in the body. God doesn't want separation, degrees of separation with his people. If we've got issues with each other, we've got to go to the one. Quit talking about them. Go to to them. Work out your problems. If it can't be worked out, grab another brother or sister say, would you meet with us and be an innocent uh, judge between the two of us to help us get through this problem. That's how you deal with issues. It's not yip, yip, yip tear people up. We don't kill people anymore with a sword, but we do with our tongue all the time. That's got to stop because God says, I don't like it. He says, one thing I hate. What's he hate? Sowing discord among the brethren. He said, these things are abomination, but one thing I hate, discord. I, he hates it. Amen. And he says that members should, should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I don't have time to get into Ephesians chapter 6. It's a powerful truth about what the Bible says, that we come together, that every joint supplies. And when we come together and every joint supplies... The Bible says we're knit together this way. He said that it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There's no growth until we come together. All of us have something to offer with the gifts that God has given us. And as your pastor, I I am going to do my best to not get you thrown out of his kingdom. What do you mean? Jesus told us about this stuff, guys. You have to get this. He's merciful, but he's also a just judge. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. To another, he gave one. He said, now go do. Do what I taught you to do. Comes back after a long journey, and to one, he said, what do you got? i give you five. He said, I got ten for you. The other one, he said, i give you two. What do you got? I got four for you. He said, what do you got? He said, well, I got your one back. I was afraid that you'd come back and I'd lose everything. So I went and I, I hid it. I buried it so I can bring it back. He said, you wicked and lazy servant, depart from me. He kicked them out of his kingdom. He was unwilling to utilize the gifting and the talent that he was put. Well, what if, I, what if I lose it? There's no shame in losing it. The shame is that you never used it. Man, that's a message right there. That talent got buried. Don't allow the devil to cause you to walk in fear and bury your talent. Teamwork makes the dream work. Say it again. Teamwork makes the dream work. Now, one week from this Thursday, this Thursday we got the elders. We're gonna have a great time. We're gonna have a blast. It's gonna be fun. Actually, we're gonna put these elders on the spot. I can't wait. Amen. And you're gonna learn from it. You're gonna love. It. You're gonna love it for our Valentine's uh, Thursday night service. Now, but one week from that. Is 2020. You don't get that very often. You don't get that very often. So we are going to celebrate. God has given me already a message about twenty and tens, and it's amazing what's about to come. This next decade, God is setting us up with great purpose. Okay, it's 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 going to be it's going to be prophetic prayer night gathering. Okay, If you are watching us by way of our online campus, we don't, we don't go live on Thursday nights. Why? Because we don't want to spoil you too much. We want you to come make the drive and come here. A church alive is worth the drive. Hallelujah. So come on by. Come on by. We want you to come by. So make plans to be with us on that Thursday, 2-20-2020. We're going to party. We're going to have a great time. Praise and worship. And it's going to be prophetic. And we're going to make bold declarations. God's giving me a message. It's going to be amazing. So we're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to assemble ourselves together. For such a time as this, and we're going to pray for our family and our friends and our city, and we're going to see God do a tremendous work. Church, I got things I had to leave out because for sake of time, I'm going to pick it back next Sunday. I can't wait. So much revelation is coming out of this word and message for us today. Did you all enjoy it today? Did you have a good time? Give the Lord a big shout of praise about it if you loved it. Come on.